We are, in fact, a superhero team known as the Doom Patrol. Welcome back to Doom Patrol Radio WDPR 96.3, your favorite trans-dimensional radio station. Well, folks, it's that time. The landlords are calling and saying it's time to hand in the keys. We've got one last little ditty for you here on the Space Waves, but after that, it'll be lights out here on Doom Patrol Radio. Welcome back, nobody. It's your favorite Doom Patrol podcast, this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we are talking about episode 12 of season four, the series finale, Dun Patrol. Today's episode is directed by Christopher Manley and is written by Shoshana Sachi and Ezra Clayton Daniels. Um, and in today's episode, after returning to Cloverton, the Doom Patrol gather for a final mission, one that proves to be unlike any they've had before. Um, <laughs> before we get started with this one, I just want to say that this was really emotional. <laughs> Not just the end of this show. Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about it. And I, I, Of course, I'm going to pry you open and, and kind of ask, uh, what you thought about the episode? Gross. I <laughs> poor choice of words, right? Ew, um, dude. It's very uh, the the discussion I'm like wanting to inv- to evoke in this podcast. It seems difficult even for me, so it feels kind of unfair to to uh, to start how I normally do and ask you how you enjoyed the episode. That's fair. Um, I just want to start with just how emotional the episode was to me and then thinking about um you know this this entire show and 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 kind of the journey we've been on but it would it'll be kind of hard to talk about it you know i've kind of had to prepare like okay how do i talk about the ending of this episode and like i said it's not just the ending of a show or the ending of a story or even just the episode itself but it's the end of some of these characters and i i feel like i've created somewhat of a parasocial relationship with some of these characters parasocial is that's a word yeah it's like the first time i'm hearing that i only know paracausal parachute (laughs) same thing right um you know para meaning force (laughs) <laughs> parasite uh good movie uh good show good uh is there a pokemon name that just parasite pa- or well no parasect parasect that's one um yeah it's it's a parasocial relationship meaning like i i feel like i have a connection with these characters that are more than just like oh i just know these characters um you know it, it's they've really adapted well from the comic books the writers and, and, you know, Jeremy Carver and everyone who's made this show possible. But then I've created such a relationship with these characters. And to see the way that these 
characters have their ending in this story. I feel like it's something we've always wanted, even if it's so emotionally uh emotional damage right yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it's it's taxing it's very taxing <laughs> um so it'll be kind of hard it's almost like putting out publicly your own therapy session it's uh, like yeah let me just Mark, record we, hang on We're, this has been 4 years of us talking four about years. this 4 years yeah 4 years of us talking about of us putting it, <laughs> putting the thoughts I was putting that into the void and not only is mm-hmm. it that put into the void it's um it's you and I having a therapy session revolving around this the superhero team that was just a comic book series at a point in time yeah. and not only is it just like the two of us talking it out and and having this therapy and and sharing our feelings and thoughts and everything like that. Um, we're, we're, you and I are really close. Um, very close, if I should say so myself. Um, I don't, I, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm you not gonna put this. labels on everything, but, uh, we're, we're, you are a BFF to me. Um, Aww. you know, so I'm putting labels on it. Anyway, so being able to talk with you about it with uh, kind of like <laughs> me being able to put down the walls and actually have a discussion with another person who is very much on the same wavelength and page when it comes to these existential things that are happening between literary characters, um, I think it's really incredible <laughs> to be honest with you and i'm not trying to toot anybody's own horn um let me get a toot off of your horn a little bit beep beep uh but i, I think you and i um were extremely lucky um to be able to find this series um relate to each other even like after years of friendship and everything and finding it and being like yo this is this is our jam, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being able to just like go in depth with these ideas and thoughts that, you know, really you only have in your own mind when you're reading uh, surrealistic work like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's just I, I don't know. I think we're really blessed <laughs> that we were able to do this. Um having our own version of group therapy for four years talking about this show and and hashing out, you know, the ideas that these characters uh, are, are, what they all are about and, and how we've grown with them over the years and also how we relate to them within our own selves and in our own lives. Um, and that's something yeah. that I, I think is probably one of the best things that, could have come out of this series um was yes. really just talking yeah. talking with you about it talking talking with my best friend about doom patrol on a weekly basis has been and, and some of the best what i what i love so much about doom patrol especially this tv series and especially the the series finale um it, if i could explain the show if i can explain the last episode that we just watched on patrol it's that 
you know, to, to have that camaraderie and like to have that compassion to relate to someone else the way that this is, is that the reality is that it, it is ugly, you know, like I, I, everyone wants this wholesome show that like is so educational and so um, relatable about some of the stresses we go through in life and how we'll get through the, to the other side with it, with all that baggage and trauma. And what I love about Doom Patrol is just how it says the reality of it is that it's ugly. And we see that in so many character arcs, the way that they end in this show, which just says like, hey, I know that you wanted a a, a big finale to wrap up all these characters and you're going to get that, but it's not going to shy away from the history of all the ugliness that, that came with it. And so as we talk about some of these characters, they all have a, a hint of like, it wasn't ever going to be a pretty perfect landing because that's never been the show. And it's going to continue to be that way as we see, as we see in this episode. Um, it's, I mean, I, I was to, to talk about how I felt about this episode is um, at first I was, I was just, nervous i was just nervous about how they were going to end it i was i was i was nitpicking like you know cinematic things of of a tv show and a series finale and you know kind of the ups and downs of it all and then it kind of explained itself as it resolved itself and then the last leg of it just had me in tears i was just i was just crying by myself (laughs) in this living room yeah and like i i was such a wreck by the end of the episode i just like i had to walk away i had to go to the bathroom and just get a towel i was just emotional damage okay that's that's how i felt yeah i will say the last beat of this episode really did hit (laughs) It did in the same sense that the the same feeling hit when we watched the first episode and we were pointing out everything that, you know, we we saw from the comic book panel and that Mm -hmm. it was actually in real life and and on the television screen. And it hit very much the same way in that where it was like, oh, this is this is an end, Um, a a resolve, I guess, you know, Um, I think I was talking last week about uh, how I was speculating how it how this series could end or how at least the team could end um but i am mm-hmm. extremely pleased with the way that it it happened in this episode and again nothing really felt like it was trying to rush itself to a conclusion um i do think that the arc kind of wrapped up all within itself at the end um and it didn't seem like there were any threads hanging to be honest with you so i was really pleased with it um yeah i was emotional at the end of it um i had some tears uh at first they were happy tears and then it got you know a little a little bit sad because man oh man can brendan fraser really deliver a goddamn line you know yeah and and that's that's something that like hit <laughs> it was like oh shit all right we're here, and that's so kind of it. to to kind of explain the episode. Obviously, if you're listening to this, I really hope you watch the episode because we've got to start talking about some of the the 
fine details of the episode, but the the Doom Patrol they come out of the time portal craziness of last week's episode, and with the help of the butts, they thwart General Immortus, uh, Isabel Feathers tantrum basically and everything is solved the the day is saved thanks to the doom patrol and they go and they make pancakes again as they ought to do and they all think like oh we've done it we have found ourselves good job everyone except we don't have our longevity um and what i think is the biggest takeaway about this and we've talked about this over the years with doom patrol not just the TV show, but the comic books as well, is that they've they've been fighting for this longevity all this time. They've been trying to fight for normalcy. And then when they finally get it, they realize that's not what they really want. They just want to be at, at peace. And that's how it's presented here in the finale, which is fantastic. So it really hits the mark for me where... Isabel Feather shows up and she's like, oh, hey, you, you did it. You saved the day. You saved my day because now I'm a hit star on Broadway. Yeah. Um, here is the ex machina. Here is the longevity. I'm just going to give it to you now because you've won it. And it's like it's getting that chalice and then being like, oh, I don't need this. This was just a symbol for what I really needed, which was like, you know, uh, my own self-worth or, or, yeah. or to be at peace or X, Y, and Z. And so it was something internal that they were looking for. And it, it's kind of like that Percival finding um, the Holy Grail, basically. And and that's how the show does it. And so, of course, it does it in its own strange little way, which is classic Doom Patrol. But that's what I really loved about the series finale is that it said, oh, here's the keys to the kingdom. And then you're like, yeah, I don't really need that. Um, even though Cliff and Jane do take it, um, it's, there's something more that they needed than just that. Um, and we, we obviously see that with, with both characters. Um, oh, and even Larry Trainer, of course, Larry Trainer also, I believe takes the, um, the longevity back. Yeah. And this is something I, I really enjoyed. It was a very good bow on this box of, of treats that we got here um it didn't really feel like um it, it kind of felt like the, the you know the entire episode was trying to uh present this idea of um each member of the team you know finding their own purpose and what mark was saying you know finding their own peace in that purpose um if their purpose was kind of fulfilled and done then they you know took that cue and, and did their thing. A few of them did, um, but then a few of them still kind of went on and still living in a, still living within their adventure. And I think that's probably the best thing that has come out of a Doom Patrol ending. Um, it always kind of felt like, you know, in previous Doom Patrol endings, um, it was kind of questionable of whether or not the characters would ever return or anything like that. Um, but this show, or at least this timeline of these characters, very much so wrapped it up at, 
in the sense of the Doom Patrol as a team is not a thing anymore. Were they ever yeah. supposed to be a thing? I don't know, but they were. And they did stuff, and, you know, they caused stuff, but then also <laughs> saved it. They, so yeah. they so sure really, the whole point of the team mm-hmm. is moot. And that's just like at the beginning of Doom Patrol, that's exactly what it was. Like, it was a moot point because you were outcasts and people that didn't want and you were cursed and you yeah. didn't want this life and or just you're awful not a people. team you know yeah. it's you kept saying that throughout the whole mm-hmm. series like we're not a team it's like, yeah, you're right you're absolutely right but when you do need to be a team you get the thing done and you care about each other and you were there for the you were the, you were a team for each other and that's really what this whole thing needed um, yeah, you know, a safe space, a, a, a space where individuals who felt aus- ostracized and, and outcast, they could come home and take their masks off and, and hang up their, their coats and capes and, and be people. Um, yeah, all, all the all the doom that they prevented was a vessel for analyzing and, and, and trying to cure in a way their own self-impending doom you know like it was like i have an internal doom clock in myself that i am constantly fighting but sure let's go punch nazis in paraguay yeah or you know the time the time traveling uh uh or time uh, what is it roller skate out of time you know um and so just just all kinds of crazy things that that were going on in this show. It was really just a big allegory for what they were going through, a big metaphor. Um, and it's just, it just, when we see Isabel Feather say, "Oh, yeah, you couldn't defeat me, uh, but here you go, you you help make my life better." Yeah. Uh, here you go, and it just, it was just fantastic. Now, um, that being said, the the, the first person we were going to tie loose ends with is is Rita Farr. And this is a character I really came to fall in love with. I really enjoyed April Wolby as this character. Even to her last moments, she just played this character to the T. It just yeah. a phenomenal job with this character. Everyone everyone in this show has with their own character. Um but April Wolby in, in the beginning playing Rita Farr without longevity, like this old lady and as she's like kind of fading out by the kitchen table and then going to her room and, and, and then everything with the funeral procession. Um, it's just so well done. And it just made me so, like you said, Nate, tears of joy, seeing this peaceful end to Rita Farr's life. Um, and then also giving me closure about her and Malcolm. It was just one of those moments. Again, they kind of they don't shy away from like the ugly side of things, and so there's a bit of humor in her funeral procession. But it was ugly love, I would say, and uh, everything with her and Malcolm. Um, I think about death a lot, and to to see this ghost given rest, and then her to pass over, mm-hmm. and then to see Malcolm, it's like. I don't care 
if you believe in life after death or not. Yeah. The idea is that she was at peace and at least she had a, um, you know, the, the sweet release of death, they would say, right? Yeah. The fact that April Bowlby's character, Rita Farr, had this fin- finale with Malcolm as she passed on was just like, that to me, that... That might be good enough for me. It might be good enough. You know, it might be good enough for me as well. That's, you know, what we would hope. um, We imagine our own, you know, personal paradises after after this life, right? Um, And that's just awesome. Um, I really do enjoy Rita's, the the character ending um, and and saying... Mm -hmm so much and being so like upfront uh in this episode um one of the things rita says to the team is that you know as she's saying you know we we weren't meant to we weren't meant to be a team so my last you know we have one last mission and that's to just you know not be a team anymore um and to go on and, and live your lives um her being able to tell the Doom Patrol that she uh, can rest easy because her purpose was leading those members into finding peace within themselves, um, I think is awesome. And I really do think that that side of Rita is a little bit lost, um, especially even in now with the, how the character is in comic books. Um doesn't really seem like the kind of character that is a, quote, leader of a Doom Patrol team. Um, oldest member, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that this show kind of did that seniority de facto, like, you've been here the longest, you know what to do, you do have the moral compass because you are trying to heal um, and, and be out in the world and everything. Um, but her telling the team that she was proud of herself for finding her purpose, uh, leading them honestly was incredible. And I can't help but think back to like the motherly version of Rita Farr that has Beast Boy in in tow and is very much so just like, you can do this, Gar. Like, this is your moment. You're supposed to be here. Don't doubt yourself. All that stuff. Um, So the very loving side of Rita Farr was present in this final episode. And it really was needed. Um, as opposed to the the Rita Far that is constantly fighting within the own, within their own team and in their own house with trying to bring everybody together, you know. Yeah, there there was a part of me that, you know, before she passed away, I thought maybe she would be like the new Niles Calder. She would be like this old lady in this wheelchair and like we would just kind of pass the baton and maybe she would lead a new group of Doom Patrol. Maybe they would, uh, she would just become the new chief of Doom Patrol, which would have been a cool thought, cool idea. Um, but then it, again, it brings that thing like, well, when does she get her peace? When does she get to move on? What would that be like? Shouldn't she, uh, you know, pass at her bedside with her friends? And of course she, she, she didn't, she died alone in her room. But then her ghost at least got to be with her friends one last time. And so 
it was it was hard at first to know that oh she just she died there but then it was also made it made sense how quickly the doom patrol were just were like yep let's just let's just go kick Charon's ass and go rip her soul back out yeah and and put it back in this body hercules style and it's it's just like oh yeah i i guess the doom patrol are, are doing this um i knew that when they did all that fan the the fanfare of it that you know rita was going to come and say don't do that i don't want to be brought back to life i want to be with malcolm she didn't say that exactly but yeah when you see malcolm it was like there it is yeah there's the tease from back in season uh three i believe that we have this this moment so it's just just full circle with the character it it honestly is, is such a good moment I, I really did enjoy Rita, uh, or April Bowlby playing this old version of Rita Farr. Um, it was very endearing. I, I really liked that. Now, um, my question as we wrap up Rita here is for you. Are you still questioning the time travel Rita Farr character? The, uh, <laughs> like, do you still think that there is a displaced time Rita Farr no, I I I think I I just have to rewatch the show and yeah. and get my ducks in order. You know, I think that was just me missing something about time travel and especially with the penultimate episode being about time travel, I thought maybe there was going to be some loose ends tied in there, but I think that's just something I'm going to have to follow up on. Um and you know, this this episode it does tie up loose ends like Malcolm, it also ties up uh, Space Case, Casey Brink, yep. who shows up again in this episode. And with Crazy Jane and, and her being Kaleidoscope, first of all, I still think that's an amazing uh, resolution for Crazy Jane or, or Kay Chalice. I think the idea of their, or Cyborg saying, oh, you should just go by Kay. Yeah, that was great. It's that like, was wholesome. It's like, that's too, that's, makes too much sense that when i heard that i was like oh duh duh. i've this whole time reading grant morrison's doom patrol and then getting into the tv show i was like okay well when does k come back and we stop calling her crazy jane because crazy jane was always just a personality right of of 64 and i always thought well when do you just you know if not when do you like hurry up and get there, but if you were when's the to, healing coming? Yeah, that's what I'm saying every day. But when I um it, you know, if this resolution is gonna happen for this character and if there is gonna be some sort of grandiose moment for Crazy Jane's character, um, it would be something about Kate Chalice. And then to become kaleidoscope was like that's amazing. But then also Kaleidoscope starts with a K and then to be called K as in K Chalice, it's just like you're doing math here. And, the, doing and math you've been doing here. math for a while. <laughs> it works out really, really well for the character. Um, every She says, you know, she's like, oh, I was just going to get a sublet and do some painting. And it's like, oh, you, you know, you're kind of embodying all these characters at once. Um, and then sure enough, Casey Brink shows up, which I thought about um, um, a few episodes ago, just thinking, oh, you just up and left a Dorothy, like exit stage left. 
and that's it. Like that Casey Brink shows up in this season for like four episodes and then is gone. And Dorothy, which Dorothy I thought was going to show up in other shows. I'm not sure about that one yet. Uh, it'd be nice to. Um, but yeah, Casey Brink shows back up again, played by Madeline Zima. And um, this whole moment here happens with Crazy Jane, which is a nice wrap up. But something that I really wanted to point out was the fact that Kay does get in a relationship with Casey Brink and mm-hmm. not The Fog, which we talked about in, in last season and in some episodes of season four. The Fog comes back again. And The Fog being a, a member of the Sisterhood of Dada. And this kind of leads into another character that we'll talk about in this episode is that Kay gets with a person that may be really good for her. And the fog being naturally a, a super villain character, maybe this was like, oh yeah, Kay can have multiple relationships. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, um, Kay has been through so much abuse. That's why she has 64 personalities. And so it's hard to even think about being emotionally connected to a person. Uh, And then the fog comes in and says, hey, we're alike. You know, we we drive on the same wavelength. And it's like, yeah, but it won't just be that first person you meet. And the fog has such um, not ulterior motives, but it's just different agenda in, in, in their life. And then here comes Casey Brink and it's like kind of complimentary to you and not an exact match. And so that was something else I really liked in, in thinking about like Casey's really good for you. The fog was just like you, but I don't know if that's what you need right now in your life to keep going. Maybe that would have, you know, it is kind of a fling in this show but Casey Brink um, was a very good match for her and something I never thought of before. So um, it really worked out. The Fog was also like this way that Kay was able to like, um, you know, separate the personality. Like they all existed within the Fog, right? But that's not who Kay is anymore. You know, they, they had they did go through the healing process. They don't need another sanctuary they don't need another Doom Manor. They don't need another Danny the Street, you know? That essentially yeah. just was that. Um, just, you know, kind of, I guess, a villainy side of it. It was very much like Danny the Street for Jane, but like you said, a bad side of it that might not have been the best for them. Um, yeah. You know, what does Paula Abdul say? Opposites attract, so... uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Run in, run, yeah. In, run, run with that, if you will. Um, Kay and Crazy and Jane being the, uh, the more, the more drab, uh, dark yeah. colored palette, and then Casey Brink being the full color wheel palette. And um, I think it, Casey Brink offers me like my only moment in today's episode, where, you know, out of all the tears, whether they're happy or I've, I was just emotionally vulnerable. Uh, Casey Brink offers the one moment where I was just like, okay, I can stop crying and I can be happy because Lotion the Cat is here. Yeah. That was <laughs> and sweet, that right? was that was the moment I was like, Oh, there he is. We have it. 
Oh boy, do I love a black cat. <laughs> you and me both, ever. buddy. Um, great little cameo by Lotion the Cat. Great little mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Little, little nod to uh, to fans out there of Doom Patrol. And Where did they everything. find a cat in space? I think that's the other cool thing about it. I don't know. I don't know. I love it. Maybe there's a whole story behind that, but hey. We'll I want... I think that's what needs to happen, too. If if Doom Patrol is not going to sell, like, hotcakes in the comic book world, we need to start doing some lateral moves and, like, do a space case, Crazy Jane. Like, can we get that spinoff? Like, just take them in space, space case, the galaxy girl fighting crime, and there's Kaleidoscope. Let me just get that. Lotion the cat's there. I need that. That's that's what I want to see. So let's get I'm more. I'm having of that. a hard time trying to just picture uh, a kaleidoscope K in space. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I like the idea that they're taking the uh, um, initiative to step out. You know, and and be in the mm-hmm. world, but you know they're going one step for further and not being like, oh, I'm not gonna experience the world. I'm going to space because there's. <laughs> many worlds to experience and not just my room and this mansion that I've been, you know, closed, closed my mind off of and in. Um, but yeah, very, very cool, very cool ending between the two of them. I really do enjoy that uh, their relationship is going to blossom. Um, it makes me happy for Casey so much. <laughs> yeah. I want Casey to find some sort of purpose in this new reality that she finds herself in. That's, and that's going to be wild. Um, so good luck to them both. I loved it. Um, I thought it was really cool seeing, uh, Kay doing a painting of, you know, the, the first scene pretty much of crawling through the wreckage and Jane's painting with robot man standing over her, um, very good, very good visual um, palindrome there. Yeah, it, to to go back to her as the hangman's daughter doing the painting from Maya Dern, or not not a painting of from Maya Dern, but a painting of Maya Dern um, from the Grant Morrison comic book, uh, Maya Dern, excuse me, and and to be painting that scene again, it's like yeah, it is like comes full circle it's a nice palindrome to it and i think both because casey is kind of a fictional character pulled out of the pages that she too is kind of timeless and so both these characters now have quote-unquote longevity and it's a good thing to go out in space because then there is the whole universe to explore and they have all the time in the world. And so it is. It, it was a very fitting ending, perfectly scripted ending to send these two characters out into space so that Space Case can be Space Case and then Kaleidoscope can go, you know, uh, bl- blossom as a character. And um, who knows, maybe they might see what remains of Larry Trainer because Negative Man... He gets the ending that was teased in in yesterday's or yeah last week's episode, and um, it happy. Nate, do you want to take the, do you want to take this one? Yeah, it was a very happy ending for uh, the negative man. Um, he got what a he positive wanted. ending, huh? 
A positive, a yeah, positive, positive ending, ending for the negative man. Um, he got what he wanted, and I thought it was just a really cool. I I I don't know. Um, Larry Trainer, the negative man, is so close to me, the character, um, and for him to actually feel good about something um, makes me feel ecstatic. <laughs> um, the fact that he didn't give up and had the resolve and went down and found the lead block that was Mr. 104 and made his own happy ending and accepted what he is and, and Keeg. And it was just beautiful. Um, you know, we, we were told a couple episodes ago that he was going to fly off and become a star. And, you know, what kind of other ending would you want? Like, would you want Negative Man Larry Trainer to continue to live on Earth in his lead line room without Mr. 104 and just, what, continue living in the manor? Like, no, you, you saw your end. Like, you, you know where the road ends. You just need to drive down it or kind of, you're either going to drive down or you're just going to idle in the driveway right there, you know? That's a terrible analogy. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> it's, it's. It's thanatophobia, isn't it? Like that was his whole. Shtick. What's that? Uh, afraid to f- be happy. Afraid, afraid to of find death. happiness. Oh, afraid of death. Oh. Thanat. Yeah, thanatos. It's death. Like thanatophobia. Thanatos. Is fear of death. Yeah. And so, like, you know, walled in this room, lead lined. You know, every if he goes out, he'll hurt people, but he's also hurting himself all the time. And Mister One Hundred Four shows up, which is great creativity from the doom the room patrol if you if that's what we call them doom patrol writing team and jeremy carver to introduce mr 104 again into the doom patrol and just like you would with elements you have one unstable element and one stable element and they have like kind of electrons to give and then you kind of make something whole right um, speaking very broadly about chemistry. But that's what Negative Man and Mr. 104 had, is they had literal chemistry in a way that would help each other. One's a supervillain, one's an unstable superhero, and they just worked in a way. And for Larry to get this another chance... It just it just played out so well for a finale. And he got over his thanatophobia by letting go and, and not letting go, but like trusting in someone again. Not just Mr. 104, but then Keeg as well. Because his other negative spirit he wrestled with a lot. And then it took Valentina Vostok with her negative woman to then like show him the prospect of being whole again and to learn to trust again. And so the way that it plays out for Negative Man in the ending is like it it was just lined up from the beginning of the show. Like we always saw kind of like the road for Negative Man shaping up. But then once it did, these last six episodes were just like it just streamlined to this ending. And so when I saw it, I was just like, there it is. There's what they teed up. And, and 
you know, I, I, I think his death or I don't know what it is, but I think his end parallels what Rita went through. And I think what Rita went through was a very human ending. And what negative man went through Larry Trainer is just like, it's the same thing. Maybe more scientific than it is spiritual for Rita. And that w- that's their hand in hand that we go through. Okay. Okay. I'm connecting those dots now um, because I didn't, while I was watching it, um, I was watching the Rita and Larry uh, moment between the two of them as Larry mm-hmm. was accepting Rita's choice to stay dead. And that is still Larry having that fear of death and, and fear of letting go. And, you know... Um, it's kind of like this character, you know, spent his whole life uh, in hiding, living a double life, lying and everything like that, has an accident, but then ends up getting some sort of fucked up second chance. Um, And that's exactly what he sees it as, as a sort of fucked up second chance. However, he's been so hard on himself because he blames himself for everything and every other bad thing that happens around him and the, to the people that he has had in his life. Um, and him still being afraid of all that as he's hearing Rita telling him that it's, it's okay, that, you know, we've been through this, we've worked through this, we're going to get through this, um, was extremely emotional for me. Um, mm-hmm. and then it, as, as it parallels Rita's, uh, you know, her, her, uh, what do you call it? Her, her tribulations of, of overcoming what other people think of her. Um, you know, there, there were parallels like that between her and negative man, of course. Um, but now I'm trying to see the parallels in their death with each of them accepting that they are done pretty much, you know, um, they've been in that house for hundreds of a hundred years or so over a hundred years and they don't need to anymore um i don't know it was very poetic uh but what kind of what's like the biggest parallel that you're trying to that that you saw between the two of them between larry and and And, and their death like what is their biggest um what i saw was was the biggest thing that stood out what i saw was this peaceful acceptance okay of just like let's just let's just let it go let's just let go and that's like my biggest fear i i'm such a control freak about order and fighting entropy with order like that's who i am as a person is that i see entropy happening in real time and no matter what it is, I'm fighting it. And so that's what Rita was doing. That's what Larry was doing. And in their final moments, they found a peaceful way to just let go. And that's that's what it is. That like that's the parallel. Is that both of them? I mean, what is what is a picture po- perfect moment for them that they were gonna die on, in their deathbed together, holding hands, being like life was so hard but at least you were there it's like no one died alone and the other one's gonna die out in space 
but they're going to be happy because they've found their peace. Yeah. And and it's so hard for me, you know, thinking about like my own death, what it will be, and not to like spur that kind of phobia on someone else, but it's like I wrestle with that all the time because it's just entropy, like everything else, like dust accumulating on a countertop. Like it drives me insane. And it's one day, like that this whole episode is me like having to accept when my death will happen. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I felt that at times, but it was more of like, I should be looking at this as like a blueprint <laughs> for like <laughs> the acceptance part and, and being, but that isn't and, that, isn't that what doom patrol is? Like, like I should be like reading it like a blueprint. Like that's why I read doom patrol in the first place. Like yeah. help me get through it. <laughs> Yeah, help absolutely. me get through like the problems, the trauma I have, but then also, hey, the big one is the final door, right? The big yeah. sleep. Help me get through that part. <laughs> um, all this talk about like entropy and fighting it with order and stuff. Like, you never read Godland, did you? Did you start to read Godland? Mm-mm, no, oh, man. Wait. You need to read Godland. That's like a big thing in that book and yeah it no. kind of like gives it a superhero twist and, and positivity and whatnot but it really is like oh man that's i don't like the know whole th- that's like the ultimate enemy that humans are supposed to be fighting is entropy and it's like well how do you do that everything's supposed to die <laughs> yeah 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 and, and yeah that's i see it in in a lot of stories um man i i, I think even Well, no, I don't want to say Full Metal Alchemist because that's that's different. But um, that's a different type of thing to talk about. It, it, the the final character in, in Brotherhood does represent something that you know friends and family re- unite for a purpose. Um, but it's not it's not entropy. But I I do I do see what you're saying. I've never read Godland. Um, trying to think but i'm thinking of vinland saga and it's not that um <laughs> you're good that was just a side thought when you were talking about like entropy and that whole yeah. your grasp on it is the exact same grasp that like tom Scholey was trying to represent in that series and it's like oh, oh tom Scholey does uh yeah, Godland. oh whole, okay you know oh okay color pencils and crowns and, and everything and kirby dots all over the place and it's great actually has like all does he kirby write it dots. too yeah did, did oh all shit. Of it. it's all it's that's all a him. whole tom, tom yeah that, the whole Tom um, Tom Club is there, huh? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty damn excellent. Um, but hey, yeah, that's just me. Anyway, well, um, to 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 anyway into into something else. Um, I I do want to talk about some of the the we have three more characters to talk about. The next two we're going to talk about they go hand in hand in the way that they don't parallel each other. In fact, they're almost perpendicular. Um, so we've talked about Larry and Rita, but now I want to talk about Victor Stone Cyborg and Laura DeMille, yeah. Madame Rouge. Very good, very good pairing. That's another thing. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's another no. thing that stayed consistent throughout this entire, even this season, with like the group dynamic. And we would talk about in earlier, previous seasons about, you know, on-screen pairings and character relationships that they're blossoming within their own selves and and everything you know we would always have a jane and robot man we would have a rita and larry Mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. thing 
Um, and like this season again now with like the inclusion of other characters like Casey, Mr. 104, uh, uh, gosh, the, the drawing kit. I can't remember his damn name. Wally. Oh yeah. Um, like these newer characters or even the chief back in, you know, the previous couple seasons, they all had their like, uh, complimentary matchups and this season ver- stayed very consistent with the team working with other team members to figure out their own stuff. Um, this one with Laura and Cyborg was very good throughout this whole series, I think. Um, because, like how you were saying, th- these characters are kind of running, I guess, perpendicular to each other. Um which would obviously give the idea that those perpendicular lines will cross at some point. And that is how I see what Laura DeMille is now and what turned into and what Cyborg eventually becomes. They're really two uh, sides of a coin. If you look at one being a hero with, you know, the, the moral compass that is always pointing true north, and Laura DeMille being a... Hmm. You know, being Laura so DeMille, there's being a- Madame Rouge, because that's exactly what Madame Rouge does. Like, it's not anti-hero, but it's reformed. I don't know what the shit I'm supposed to be doing. There's an analogy, or the yeah, there there is two characters that parallel this in a way that makes too much damn sense, and it's Professor Charles Xavier and magneto because they are it's exactly what happens with victor stone and laura demille which doom patrol and x-men have this hand-in-hand historical relationship okay but hang on hang on pause now people are probably going to be screaming wouldn't it be more of professor xavier and um raven mystique because of this whole shape-shifting thing or was that's that too? A, that's that a very too... That, that's a very good that, that that's probably <laughs> that's a good addendum. That's a good addendum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, either way, you, you have it right. Yeah, well, you have the brotherhood. Yeah, you have the institute, and that's what that's what Victor does, right? Is he builds an institute? You know, he's teaching kids to better the future, not by being superheroes, because that's that's very Niles Calder of you. If you say, "Hey, you have metahuman abilities." Won't we be superheroes? Like, how about no? How about we build robotics and help the people of Detroit get through poverty? Um, and and Laura DeMille does things similar to Magneto and Mystique, which is like, we are punks rebelling against, yeah. like, institution. The, the institution regime. that is knocking us yeah. down. Like the that. institution that created poverty in Detroit. Yeah. How about we attack it with a flamethrower? And Victor Stone is saying, no, how about we fundamentally educate the newer generation yeah. to upheave it and and change it, change the direction of it. And so like they're both doing the same thing at the end of this episode and, and in the end of their their character arcs. But they're a superhero and a supervillain. One's a Justice League member. One might start up the new 
Brotherhood of Evil or whatever have you. Um, <sighs> Legion of Doom. And so it, it the, the ending they had where he was like, I'll show up if you've gone too far. It's like, that's a Superman quote right there. You're a superhero walking out of that room like that, saying that thing, you know? And, and her kind of accepting being a villain all this time, like, you know, I, I thought about it as well. Like, people will talk about Doom Patrol's villains like, oh, uh, you know, Mr. Nobody or the Candlemaker, even uh, Kate Chalice's father, which is called Daddy. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, all these villains that we've seen. Isabel Feathers as Immortus. None of it comes close to this arc of Lord DeMille, who is a villain, like, all the time, is the villain, like, the series-spanning villain. Because that's who she is. Um, Everyone else is, like we said, just a vessel for therapy. And Lord DeMille is the greatest villain antagonist of the show in, in, in such a way. And she's been wrestling with it, but then accepts it, and but then goes about it her own way. And it's like, they both have really nice endings. Um, I think we've, we've spoken enough about it, about Victor Stone and kind of the arc of Cyborg. We've been talking about it almost every episode of this show and in most episodes of Zack Snyder's Justice League Minute, which is a... Another podcast we do on DC Cinematic Minute. I guess we're plugging our own show here. But it is it is that. Like, we've been talking about this arc of Cyborg. And to see it get to this point, it's like, I've always wanted to talk about heroes getting to this point in their life. It's like when I saw Superman and Lois, like, whether it's Tom Welling and it's like Smallville or this newer version of Superman and Lois, the TV show, but, like, just seeing Superman get to that point of like, I'm with my family. Like I am doing what I've wanted to do. It's like, Oh, I love that. I love that you got there. Um, yeah, I just, I just think that's great. I don't know if I could say any other heroes got to that. Maybe of course the Marvel cinematic universe does, does things like that as well. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I really enjoy that. It felt good to see cyborg still on a ground level thing um which is something that we've talked about when he was first introduced into this show where it's this idea that he's not in or a part of the league or anything um you know they don't have a space station he's not going around all the world he's not watching all the monitors he's not fighting crime 24 7 he's still like street level kid um Mm -hmm. and him not getting to that Justice League level and him realizing that's not the kind of hero that I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be this one. Changing the future, molding the minds. Um, it's really great. That's something that is pretty new to the character, in my opinion. Um, and it was just very wholesome to see a happy ending with Cyborg. He was just such an optimistic character throughout this whole series that, you know, he did have his faults and and times where he was saying, like, fuck that, it doesn't matter and all this stuff. But um, him realizing the better version of himself um, was really incredible. And being able to, like, figure that out with working with the Doom Patrol, that's just, that idea needs to be more 
uh, up front, like, you know, hey, maybe maybe if, your character does need to go and hang out with the Doom Patrol for a little bit. Maybe Justice League, that's that's going to become a, uh, a punishment. Like, you got to go work with the Doom Patrol for a couple yeah. months and figure your own shit out. Like, and then you come <laughs> back to the Watchtower and you'll be all, you'll be good. <laughs> um, you know, it would also work that if we isolate Victor Stone Cyborg from from this TV show. If we well if we just look at his ending uh and we think of just him and Silas Stone. It it's almost like, you know how you you would hope like your generation, your next of kin is bigger and better than you. It's like like you naturally want to improve and upgrade in in the next iteration, the next generation. Yeah. He teaching robotics to a group of kids he's kind of following in his dad's footstep but where silas was not there for him he's there for many kids and it's for many kids future so he's he's following in his father's good footsteps but avoiding the bad ones not making the same mistakes his father did but doing the same thing by helping improve kids with the same kind of studies and experiments that his dad would do. And so in a way, it's like, oh, maybe that's like Cyborg's future, which I never thought about. It's like, what if he becomes the head of Star Labs? Not, not exactly, but like to carry his father's legacy in a way that also helped children with attention and the nurturing that they needed right like maybe that's something where he's like bigger and better silas stone as well so he's become a hybrid of cyborg and silas and become like kind of like what we just talked about mr 104 a negative man that's really cool i like that i like that idea the the thought that cyborg isn't like you know rebelling against the 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 dr frankenstein of a creator that that you know we we talk about so much um the fact that he's like no i can be best parts of of both um Mm -hmm. again that's just that's excellent um another thing that cyborg had to go through was seeing his future twice um and he saw the apocalyptic one saw that he had tech back and saw that he was trying to be cyborg at least what his idea or what his father's idea of what cyborg was and then he saw the perfect future where he was teaching kids and you know the world was great um it's really cool that the character went through the full uh i guess trials and tribulation thing that they had to go through within this entire series um because cyborg did go through a lot you know he was cyborg he was trying to be a hero trying to build a team realized that wasn't the thing took off his tech tried to be a human realized that wasn't how he could be and then went back to the tech and everything and and still created this newer version of cyborg that we haven't at least seen in comic books or anything like that it was this you know this this depowered cyborg and then powered again but he had these really cool branding symbols on him that's like, no, you need those as a reminder of where you came from. It's like, yeah, that's that's the cyborg that I want. Like, I want you to accept 
that you have this ability, that you have this tech, that it is a part of you, and you're not just Victor Stone wanting his dad at a football game anymore. You have a greater purpose, but you have to find that greater purpose. No one's going to tell you what to do, and the people that are telling you what to do, that's not how it's supposed to go. You know, we did that. It was Star Lab Cyborg, and it's like, uh, that's not... You can't do that because he's still Victor Stone. Anyway, point being, Cyborg having this full-fleshed-out arc in this show, start to finish, is something incredible. Really much so. Um, You know, you don't get that in a Teen Titans. You don't get that in uh, Justice League, what we were talking about, you know, what we've been talking about. We don't get a full-fledged idea of this character. Um, yeah, you know, it's, we get it's acceptance a... of what he has become and not, you know, self-loathing anymore, but it's not like this, how it is. I'm the hero working to build a better future and to save the day. And that starts with the youth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's something we don't get enough of in, in current, current Titan stuff is it, Right now, it seems like everything is an external force afflicting the Titans. And the Doom Patrol, like we talked about, is like it's so internal, like especially Silas Stone and, and being made Frankenstein's creature. Like it, it is internal and we don't get enough of that. And Titans, it's like, oh, Brother Blood has corrupted someone or, yeah. um, you know, Peacemaker or, or you know, Slade. Whatever it is, like there's so many external forces affecting the Doom Patrol, or excuse me, the Teen Titans, and and we don't get enough of them having these Silas Stone moments. Um, I know Cyborg right now he has his own um, comic book ongoing, as well as being part of Titans. So there's two series, and and Cyborg what he's going through, um, it's not ever really brought up in that series it's just when you go and read cyborg that you you see his kind of disdain for his father still and he's in 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 the dawn of dc he's going through that um this show has gone through it this show has has made the complete arc of victor stone's character and that's what i'm talking about like we hardly ever see this completed peaceful ending to what cyborg is which is still being a hero but being a hero in a way that matters in real life in the way that matters for the city of detroit and the people that live there that aren't metahumans like that's the real change we want to see and we see that as well in Zack snyder's Zack snyder's justice league with him using his abilities um, to help the people of the city and like that that's that's what i really love about both those those stories um and very much of a different cyborg that we're used to seeing and i couldn't like it anymore it's cool now that we can like separate it it's it's like this is a doom patrol cyborg Mm -hmm. yeah versus you know and and then even going forward on telling stories and and just like the character archetype of what victor stone is like you can pull from this now and that's so damn cool and he was baked into the show and I just want to applaud like the room patrol again for figuring it out, for getting there for, for um, it's like an episode of chopped, right? A food network TV show, open a basket and you're given like Enoki mushrooms 
and told to like do something with it. Okay. And and to like open Doom Patrol and be like, well, you get cyborg. It's like I thought it was supposed to be Beast Boy, and it's like, nope, it's cyborg. Do something. Go do with it. it. Yeah. And it's like, oh well, actually, this pairs really nicely if I do X, Y, and Z, and then they stick the landing, and it and it's worked out so well that when I was watching the finale. And I and I saw Cyborg at the end. I thought about Beast Boy, and I was like, I don't even know if Beast Boy could have landed this well, like as an overall arc. I mean, maybe helping they could have spun it as like helping the planet, um, and that that could have been more more fauna than than humans. Um, but it 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 would have been really hard. Uh, um. I I saw the ending of Titans, the TV show HBO Max. Yeah. Um, not good. Not good oh, at God. all. It was not. And like it, it didn't have. It, it was almost like um, well we have to the show's ending. We have to shoot something. Like it just didn't land at all. It was almost just like hey we fumbled the whole way, but then everyone turns up great. Thumbs up. It's like no, I don't think so, buddy. Um, and so it just, it was really sour the way it ended, um, to kind of like fake it, like we've made it. Um, and, and Cyborg did such a great job in Doom Patrol. I don't really, to, to say Beast Boy is part of the Doom Patrol is only to say it historically. It's not like it has real merit to it. I think Young Justice is the only one that's spun in a way because it's coming epically. It's coming like, oh, he was... And he's yeah. gone through all this trauma from it, and like, then you know, and then it spins it that way. It's like, well, his trauma is continuing because he was a part of Doom Patrol, like Young Justice. Oh my God, talk about a show that gives me anxiety. Young Justice, like, just it gets into teenage trauma, like so hardcore, and uh, it's yeah. In that regard, it it works to have Beast Boy as part of the Doom Patrol uh, now, if we're referencing it, but to put Cyborg as part of Doom Patrol now, like, that makes a lot of sense. But I would only, in the future now, I would only consider it if it's like, oh, yeah, he was part of Doom Patrol, now he's a hero. So if, it's like if I was reading Jeff John's New 52 Justice League and, like, the Justice League is brand new and Cyborg is a part of it, the Super 7, and then he was like, oh, yeah, I, I did my time with Doom Patrol and I learned a lot. It's like, that's putting it mildly. Like, you learned a lot because of this entire TV show. Uh, and that's that's the cyborg I, I would accept as part of the Justice League. It's like, oh, you went through all that. You got to where you are now. Yeah. Um, but in, in his in his day-to-day, he helps kids out. Um, so that, that kind of wraps up cyborg there. Uh, we have one last character to talk about, and that would be Cliff Steele, played by Brendan Fraser, in this series. Uh, Nate, do you want to start with this one? <laughs> this was heavy, Doc. Um, <laughs> it was heavy duty, Doc. You mentioned it a couple weeks ago um, about how you hoped this thing would end, at least from the character's point of view, and you were really hoping to see... You know, it started with Cliff Steele. You would hope that you would it would imagine the end be with Cliff Steele. And that kept, you saying that kept replaying in my mind throughout that entire last section. Um, mm-hmm. And even on the last beat where I was just like, 
wow, they they did separate them within their own endings, but like it was very well deserved and and it came out so incredibly powerful hitting all the heartstrings and whatnot um yeah cliff Steele's ending uh, is heavy doc <laughs> um his whole idea of of wanting to go home and be with his daughter and grandson and live out the rest of his life being a good grandfather um is so pipe dream, I think. And and the fact that Cliff had to... He didn't have that realization until the very end was like, oh man, you're just like pulling the rug out from under this guy. But like the rug wasn't even there to begin with. Like you kept on having to replace the rug and you would constantly pull it out. And I, I don't I don't know. It was just so heavy um him accepting that the end living in florida with clara and with rory um was not how he was supposed to end you know like it was this this uh coming from like a father being able to see like is my you know is my kid going to be okay is their life going to be okay? And that whole thing, like that's what a parent wants, right? That's what Cliff Steele was trying to atone for because he wasn't there in Claire's life because he got drunk, party, and then he died and got turned into a robot man. Um, and him trying to atone this entire time with with getting back with Claire and 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 having a family and living some sort of normal life, um, you really need to remember that. It is a brain inside of a robot body, so that isn't normal. There are going to be things that, like, that story doesn't end well. Um, as much as you would hope that you would have a, a robot man for a grandfather, like, that, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool, right? That's just a cool comic book thing. It's like, nah, 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 nah. He was a bad guy. Like, he... He's gotta do all this stuff. He's gotta go through this heartbreak, and, and he's gotta see these these bumps in the road that that are unavoidable um and it was just a really good ending for cliff Steele. um so going back he does get this sort of uh i don't know vision crystal from Mm -hmm. immortus and um you know we're told that he'll know what it means when when the time comes um and i'm still a little confused about that thing um not for its mystical properties or whatever but the fact that like why did cliff need that and the only reason that i can think is because it really was just like a time clock like he was just naturally dying i guess from parkinson's you know there was no cure for that so he still did have a degenerative brain disorder so mm-hmm. yes you know it, it it was he was going to die no matter what it was you know he just i guess wanted to live out the rest of his days at home and not doing crazy weird shit to save the world um but anyway 
this this crystal, this vision crystal, gives him a look into Rory's future and pretty much the entire lifespan of him, right? Um, and his daughter, yes. Clara. And I'm really unsure as to why he got that. And is that really because because he like that was it like he well he is gonna die you do have parkinson's so you just aren't going to live to see Roy yeah. grow up like that's just it you're just not going to be a part of it you weren't there to begin with you're not going to be there at the end that's just your reality cliff steel and mm-hmm. that's so fucking sad <laughs> to me it was so the writers as they as they use isabel feathers as a vessel is to say i'm here You've got you. You have all won your piece. Here it is. Have your piece. the The crystal is Cliff's piece, which is like the reality is you're you're you you are going to die. You're gonna die whether you like it or not. But to make you okay with it is a crystal that lets you see Rory's future. And so, you know, Cliff is fighting against the apparatus of life and death like the circle of life just naturally is what you're saying yes he's just so he's rebelling against existentialism is what he's doing that's that's how crass he is he's just like i do not accept dying even if i am like i do not want to i want to be there for my grandson and so life says, here is his future. And it makes him so at peace that he then says, it's okay, I'm home. And then he passes away because he got to see what he's been wanting to see okay. his entire okay. life. So yeah, so and I was right. So it was just like the natural ticking time clock of death. And yes. to make it, hurt less here is your vision crystal so you do yeah. get to see the end even whatever it is that you makes you happy going to die yeah okay yeah and and, and again that that that's what it was like with my own thanatophobia is that like i have to I have to get there i'm not there yet but i i have to get there i want to be there and it's gonna be so scary when it does happen but what what we see with Cliff Steele is like I was I was crying with a capital C with a capital K. Yeah, I had some pretty uh, heavy tears in my eyes at that last. Honestly, the last it, just the last fucking second of this episode. It it hurt so much to go through everything with Clara. To finally get rid of that fucking mitten and and to just touch things. He touched the cake, touched Rory, and then like to freeze in that final moment, like with his hand over Rory, and then you know, the kid holding his finger, and it's like that's that's how he, he can feel with that hand only. And then to have that whole moment and, and to be like, you know, I'm home. Which reminds me of like the Grant Morrison ending for uh, his run with Crazy Jane and they all go home, which is like Danny the Street. And so it like it ties into the comic books as well, but like forget all that. Like 
this way that they've crafted this story for Cliff Steele to be this brute force who doesn't know how to stop fighting against things and then having this moment of peace. And when he turned off, it was just... It was... It was a reflection of myself. Like, I was just like, how do I get there? How do <laughs> I... Man, you got... You got. You still got years, you, uh, you know? I mean, do I? I guess that's... Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's the whole... The that's the journey of acceptance. Like, you're supposed to, to go through this life and, and get to the point where you can accept it. Unless it's untimely, but then, then yeah. you know, you got no, you got no control over that. That's what I I want to be like that, right? And I think that's maybe the other thing that Doom Patrol all go through is that they go, like, I'm not gonna die yet. I still have X, Y, and Z to live through. Um, but what's nice about the Doom Patrol is that they all go, oh, okay, this this is the moment that I do die, and I just have to accept it and be at peace with it. Like, I want to have that awareness of when it is going to happen, and then have the acceptance for it as well. <laughs> I wish I like, had answers for you. I, I wish know, I could tell right? you get that's, there. I wish the I could strong, say, Mark, it'll be okay. Uh, that's but the I hard don't part. Know that shit. They all had it. They all had like the, oh, this is the moment, and I'm okay with it. Whereas like the entire show, they've just been like, nope, can't die now. Got got to be with Rory. Can't die now. Like I'm leading the team to go do X, Y, and Z. Like, like there's, it's yeah, it's the awareness. And then the acceptance of it all that just I have a hard time dealing with all the time. So it's like, I don't want to be told like, oh, like you have so much, you know, there's so much more going on in your life in the future. It's like, yeah, I, I fucking hope so, dude. But I don't know. I just, I can't think. It's hard for me to tell myself that like, oh, like I am going to get there. I am going to be old. Don't think too hard about it for now. Oh, I think way too hard about it. I'd be overthinking, dog. Like, I'd be in in the bed overthinking. We all do that, right? Like, or is it just me? Uh, Time and place, I guess. I, yeah, I think it's stupider things. And then when I need to be serious, that's, you know, that's when, that's when I do have the existential crisis of, oh my God, reality is collapsing in on itself. I need to call my brother. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. And I also think, you know, it, and it pains me too. And this might be the other, you know, I talked about the parasocial relationships I've built with these new patrol characters. But of course I think about you and I think about our, our other close friends that are in our circle. And I think about you guys as well. Like I'm not prepared for it. Like I'll be in heavy denial for quite a bit if it were to happen. But I have to be what okay with it? Like, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard thinking about when that's gonna happen. That's death, dude. It's and it's hard, how, and how humans process it. That's I don't want to go through. <laughs> that's it. the whole thing. I don't want to go through it, and the show made me go through it, and that's what I'm struggling with. It's just. It's just a lot, you know. It's well. I'm here for you if you need to. If you need to talk anything through, you anything, are you know? here until you're not, and then that's that's. Oh man, you went there so quick. <laughs> <laughs> it it is. I'm telling you, it's it's so emotional to me. Like I, I really struggle with it. 
And like, I hope you know I do care about you. You know, and it's it, it's one thing to joke around and be and be pals, and even to do a podcast together. But it's like maybe I don't say it enough. Maybe I'm too hard on you sometimes. And like I said, I'm putting this publicly out as like a podcast. But like, I don't know. I I don't care. Like I, I want you to know I care about you. I want you to know I care about you. You're not hard on me. Come on. <laughs> uh, Nobody is going to be harder on me than myself. That's and that's the thing that I'm trying you, to huh? accept. And you know, that's that's the, that's my that's my hump that I got to get over right now in my life. I can't be yeah. thinking too much, too deep about death and that kind of. I got, I got, I got places to be. Three, like I'm still on the self-loathing part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, this was, um, this was quite an experience. Um, the whole show. I, yeah. Yeah. The whole show really. The whole um, shebang. I couldn't be more happy with this version of a live action doom patrol thing. That's just, again, mm-hmm. that's something that I would have never thought could even be possible or even want it to do, or someone would foot the bill to even build the sets and you know what? They did. And it was realized. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm just extremely grateful. Thank you so much to the cast and crew and everybody involved. Um, coming from a true fan, you hit the mark all the time. All of the, all of the time. There are so many episodes of me gushing and going gaga over what's been happening in the episode and the way that it was produced and and all of these uh, and distributed and everything um hats off to you standing ovation you guys were excellent you killed it It, it, you know at at a certain point i didn't think that you know tv writers other people my peers that kind of thing would actually have the sense to grasp what the doom patrol is and their stories and their characters and be able to make a whole television program about it um where were you guys at the lunch table when i was in middle school you know like that's <laughs> that's the thing where i just want to be like you you're my people i'm your people i'm a true fan you guys seem to be like true fans and and seem to be really um wanting to create your vision of what you saw from this comic book and these other writers and other artists and you know what you did it you really did it thank you so much yeah absolutely i i completely agree you know with without you nate i you know i I really wouldn't have gotten so drawn into doom patrol but then the tv show itself um i have seen and connected with so many people who like doom patrol for the same exact reason they they resonate the same way that we do and i never would have thought that because doom patrol is not a comic book that i would go on the internet and talk to people like i would any any other big franchise and 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 like connect with them like doom patrol like what it is in its essence is so internal and like everyone everyone on the internet that loves this tv show 
they resonate because they're like, oh, I love this TV show for X, Y, and Z. And it's like, oh, you like it for those reasons? So do I. But because of this TV show, I've been able to connect with so many people. And so, like, that to me is like, you know, thank you to everyone who's helped create this show because you've helped connect people as well. And I mean, that's what the Doom Patrol is as well. Like, this whole Doom Patrol is connected because they they share this this trauma and self-loathing and doom and all this other negative feelings um and it's just it just worked out so well and and to be alive today to have witnessed a show about a comic book that i really enjoyed and to be with you nate as someone who was just like hey read this comic book and it's like oh my god this is this is something i've always been wanting and it's not x-men it's not justice league or batman or an image comic of some you know super highbrow um you know indie comic like doom patrol just hit in this perfect venn diagram for me of something that i needed internally for myself and so i thank you nate i think everyone who created the show and i cre- i, I want to thank like and, and everyone who's who's been listening to us and talking to us about the show, saying things um, that they noticed in, in, in the show itself or talking about the podcast and, you know, just writing to us. And, you know, we've gotten connected with some people because of this podcast. And so this whole show, the TV show, the podcast, all of it, this whole endeavor has been like just so heartwarming and full of love. It's always been full of love. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, creating the artwork for the show as well. Just, just, just so many messages and memories about Doom Patrol that it's, it's, it's an emotional journey. It really is. Couldn't have asked a better person to go through it with, though. <sighs> I don't have anything else for this episode. I, I really want to hear from some of the listeners about the show. So if you could, um, you know, just write us wherever we're part of, we're part of the dueling genre Discord. So there's a Doom Patrol text channel in there. You could talk to us about Doom Patrol there. Um, our our Gmail, uh, I believe it's um, Radio Doom Patrol at gmail.com. or maybe it's Doom Patrol Radio at gmail.com. I don't know. Twitter is at Radio Doom Patrol. You could tweet us there. Um, you know where to find us. Um, I don't know if we have another episode in us left but we'll see uh nathan any any other thoughts you want to add i'm pretty tapped out thank you so much to everybody all the listeners you were great you were wonderful thank you so much for continuing to listen um even through this last episode uh, of our sad ramblings of the end um our gene bomb ending yeah exactly um yeah yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, love to hear from you. If you enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed the series, uh, let us know. Let us know what you thought. Any sort of speculations or anything, or any sort of uh, recommendations, or any sort of life tips that you feel like sharing, go ahead and pass them along. We'll be sure to read them. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll we'll have another episode coming out or something along the lines. But uh, maybe if, maybe you know, a we're bonus not done episode with at some point. Yeah. Never are, never are. Maybe we'll That's start our thing. own. <laughs> we'll start our own therapy patrol. Hey. We'll just start, we'll just start 
having people on and we'll just start going having some sort of therapy sessions and somehow related back to doom patrol who knows i'm rambling at this point so without further ado dj for the last time please take it away hit it talk to me i've said it once said it twice but hey i'll say it once more for your mind bona tu vada nobody's and now I say to you, bona noche, nobodies. I'll keep you in my heart if you keep me in yours. This has been your favorite trans-dimensional radio station, WDPR 96.3, Doom Patrol Radio.